Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah and I'm Charlie and we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcoholism and cynicism. This episode we will be reading chapters 6 and 7 of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And we have a special guest this episode of Neil, Hannah's sexy partner in crime, who is going to be featuring us for some pop culture clarification. <laughs> so join us for this reminiscent journey into your favourite childhood book. Hello everyone, we are back for another episode. What are we drinking today, Charlie? The same as the previous episode, so I'm on raspberry vodka. And I am on wine. Even though this was actually being filmed two weeks later, we haven't batched on this much. But again, we're poor, we're going off what's in the cupboards, yes. and one day we'll be able to afford more exciting alcohol. Yeah, and my parents are in America, and I've Ooh. asked them to get me cake-flavoured vodka. That sounds really exciting. Yes. Actually, I could switch from wine. I have an elderflower-flavoured gin over there. Yeah. I just really wanted wine because I've had a stressful week at work. Yeah. And as I've said in previous episodes, I am a wine mom. Just you are. Just through too early. I'm just... What's a vodka person? An alcoholic. <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about chapter six, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. What an iconic chapter. So iconic. Don't you just love reading this? Because also like... It's been such a slow build, slow build, and then suddenly, Jenny from Pack Nine Three Quarters, and it's all the characters, it's all the magic, it's all the stuff, and oh, you're just Weasleys. like, oh, is that? one of my notes is literally in capitals, Weasleys! Oh. Like, that's just a line. So you're basically Weasley. Yes. You're currently in a very large jumper, and she has red hair. My, I dyed my hair red. I've always wanted to be a redhead, and part of that is growing up with the Weasleys, and I've yeah. just always wanted to be part of the family. I always wanted to be a redhead because of Parent Trap. Yeah, same. The Parent Trap, all my cousins were redheads. Yes. Yeah, I think I missed out in life. And then people are like, oh, your natural hair colour's beautiful, and I've just, I go, thank you, yes. <laughs> I just pretend it is. <laughs> Amazingly, people don't say that to me. Uh, for listeners, I have pink hair. I mean, not currently, if but like normally. If grow rainbow-coloured hair out their head, it could be you. Oh, thank you. That's okay. I'm so, that gay. So, the books start with Harry being a little nerd and reading all his school books in his bed. And I wrote in the early books, he's such a nerd. He wants to read but all... you would be. Of course you would be. My next note is, anyone would be. Ron totally kicks this out of him and turns him into a right little yeah. rebel lad. Yeah. Kid. But, like, I think this is... So, for listeners, we wrote our notes probably about a month ago yeah. on this chapter, and I think anyone that's still listened to all the um, episodes previously will understand that Hannah writes, like, amazing, concise, summary, brilliant notes, and mine are just, like, the ramblings <laughs> of an insane person <laughs> with absolutely no context, which then, when you go back to read them a month later, I've got no fucking idea what I'm talking about. So, one of my notes is just, Harry is so, with so underlined pure and I think it must mean yeah him in regards to reading his books because 
I don't know what the fuck else that's about. I mean, I wouldn't, like, I would expect any Muggleborn and anyone who's never known about the magical world to, world to do this. Yeah. But it's just the fact, like, this is book one, Harry. And then, like, if you skip straight to book six, Harry, who's just, like, swaggering around, not just giving a, a bad shit, boy. Like, yeah. it's just such a different Harry. And, it is. Like, I love him and Ron's friendship, but Ron... He's a bad influence. On some things. On some things he's a great influence. But, like, but on some things he's a terrible influence. Yeah. But like Harry is a jock in the later books. This is what I find oh. so bad. He's a jock. Yeah. He's a jock with a good heart. He's a jock. Yeah. He's a jock. He's There's, a dumb jock. He is. He is. But in this first book he's just so cute. Oh. So then Harry asks Vernon to take him to King's Cross. And we both live in London so you're going to agree with me on this note. I've written they're driving into central London. Yeah, what the fuck? What? They live in Surrey. Why are they driving? Get the train. He's only got a case. Yeah. And like, he's... For, okay, for listeners who may not live in London, you do not drive into London. No, no, no. No, no, no. Especially, you can drive into the outskirts happily. You cannot drive into central London. Now, I don't know what it was like in 1991 when this book is set, but I'm imagining it's still the same. And this is a recurring theme throughout the books that they drive from the borough into London. We know the borough is in fucking yeah. Cornwall. Into L- My mind is blown by this. Magic, Hannah. I feel like of but all Vernon the impossible things. But Vernon Dursley doesn't have magic. <laughs> and is there every, like, July to pick Harry up at the yeah. train station? No, it, it's insane. Why the fuck would you ever drive? Like, it makes absolutely no sense. Where are they parking? You would get there's the no... overground and then the tube. Yeah. There's no you par- would get off the district line. Yeah. There are no parking spaces in central London unless you want to pay 20 quid plus a congestion charge plus an emissions charge. Yeah. I'm not sure all this was in place in 1981, but there were definitely no car parking And spaces. also, it will just take you so much longer. It's just this bit blew my mind. It blew my mind. And J.K. Rowling had worked in London at this point. It wasn't like she was kind of like, oh, I've never been to London. She had worked in London for years. Yeah. Well, next point on King's Cross. So, obviously, platform nine and three quarters is at King's Cross. Do you know the fact about J.K. Rowling and King's Cross and how she actually imagined the whole thing? Yeah, so it's completely wrong because yes. they're in two separate parts. Yeah, so she, when she drew it all up in her head, she thought what she imagined was St. Pancras and she thought she was talking about St. Pancras and she basically got the name wrong and because mm-hmm. King's Cross has more history. So when she's talking about like the, the brickwork arches and things like that, she's, she's talking about St. Pancras. Yeah. And... For context, these two stations are next to each other. They are right next door. And that's why um, the film is filmed in St Pancras, because it's a lot prettier, it's a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. But she just made a huge mistake and then had to roll she with it. She fucked up. She fucked up so badly. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. So yeah, it's actually, isn't it like they're not actually, nine and ten aren't next to each other in where she act, in King's Cross? No. No, so you can't actually have nine and three quarters because they're not next or the, to each So other. they are like next to each other, but there's not a barrier in between them. They're like in separate yeah. sections. It's so, yeah, 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 yeah. Nowadays it's been rearranged, so I can't tell. But yeah, in 1991 it didn't look like that. Yeah. But it did look like that. And exactly how she described it in, in St Pancras. Oh. oh, JK. Fucking idiot. Oh, JK. Um, the next point I had, I'm just pointing out everything wrong with this chapter. So... The Dudleys drop him off, leave him. They're like, bye, fend for yourself. And it says he's drag- dragging his trunk. I mean, suitcases were invented at this point. And why does he have a trunk? Like, do Muggleborns not go, oh, a trunk? But we invented this thing that's like a trunk, 
but twice as light and with wheels, so I think I'm gonna use that. Like, we know that everything in the wizarding world is like a lot more old fashioned. I know, so my- Which is part of the like whimsicality. Yeah, my point was it's really whimsical and I have no problem with Ron and everyone using trunks. I have a problem with Hermione using a trunk because she's muggle-born, so she'd go, but- mm, I'm gonna use a suitcase. But if you knew that everyone going was gonna have a trunk- It's not on the list. It's not on the list. No, but you would see it in all the shops and you would see the other kids going and shopping and buying mm. for it and stuff. So you wouldn't want to stand no, out. I you would know. already be so self-conscious about being the muggle ball. I know, but I can imagine like fifth year Hermione strolling up like, I'm sick of dragging that trunk. This maybe, is called a suitcase. Maybe, maybe she did. Yeah. I and just maybe she that. had like a pen as well. And they were like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Pens. Pens. Pens is another thing. Genius. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, quills look great. Does it self-flowing? No. JK was just really dedicated to that aesthetic. She really, really was. I love it, but also once you read it as an adult, you're like, this is stupid sometimes. Yeah. Uh, next thing I wrote, I, let me know if I'm running ahead of you. Next thing I wrote is just Weasleys. I love them. Oh. They're everywhere. Suddenly they're everywhere. They're bae. They're so good. Um, the twins notice the scar on Harry's head. So basically... He's got onto the platform, he's got onto the train, the twins are helping him lug his suitcase on, and he's, Harry's pushing his hair off his head. And the twins say, what's that on your head? Oh my god, you're Harry Potter, that's the scar. I'm paraphrasing the text here. They don't say, oh my god, you're shame. Harry Potter. I know, shame. Um, how does everyone in the Wizarding World know about scar, Charlie? Because, here we go. So, like, at Hogwarts, you know that, like, gossip that couldn't possibly get around just gets around. Yes. Um, I honestly think it's one of those things, like, there was so much gossip going around, and, like, in Hogwarts, it's, like, blamed on the portraits, and I think, you know, there's even a lot of that, we know that portraits yeah. have, like, several, you know, different locations, like, I think it's very feasible that that element of gossip can get out. Okay, but who told everyone originally, because the only people to see Harry with the scar were Sirius Black, Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Hagrid. So do you not think it's feasible that at some point... Dumbledore has had a conversation referencing the scar in his office. Yeah. The portraits have then uh, gone to other places. Or like, even like McGonagall, it's not like the scar is some top secret thing. McGonagall could be like, yeah, he's got this gnarly scar. Yeah. Like, well, I assumed it was Hagrid. Like, oh, yeah. being like, oh, that baby, and he had a oh, huge on his head. Definitely Hagrid. But it's just, it's so legendary. People see the scar and they're like, you're Harry Potter. It literally says your scar is legendary, but no one's seen it before. And I, I just like, find that interesting. I think it's just one of those like details that get out. Whenever there's a, like one of those like yeah. massive things that happen, there's always those really like idealized tragic elements. And I always must think, I then thought that everyone must think it's smaller than they thought it was. Because you know when you've heard about this thing, like this kid has a huge scar on his head and it's yeah. really much from Baltimore. I've been expecting like but, a scar down his whole yeah, face. And then you see it's just on his head. But like, also, it's not like he just had a scar. That would be really fucking boring gossip. It's a lightning bolt scar. Like, they yeah. know about it because it's lightning bolt. Yeah. It's, it's not just like, oh, yeah, he had a, had a little graze. Yeah. It's like a lightning bolt scar. That's fucking badass. It is cool. It is cool. So, Ron comes and sits down um, in the compartment. And by this point, the twins have already helped Harry into the compartment. So, I wrote, did the twins tell him where Harry was and encourage him to go sit with Harry? Like, saying he was on his own. Because Ron could have gone and sit anywhere. And he makes the excuse, oh, everywhere else is full. But I, I had the feeling that the twins were like, oh, Harry's in that carriage. Maybe you should go sit with him. I don't think so. I think they said, oh, my God, we think that boy's Harry Potter. And I think then Ron was like, 
curious and starstruck yeah. and wanted to. But also, I do think another part of him was like, he's not sitting with anyone and he hasn't yeah. arrived with everyone. I think it's both. He's like, he's starstruck, but he's also like, he do you know what? He actually needs a friend and not yeah. the kind of person who like, yeah, for all he is mean sometimes later in the books, he doesn't do all this stuff. But if he needs, if someone needs a friend, he will be there. Yeah. But you say he's mean later in the books, he's mean later in the films. He does have his moments in the oh, books. Oh, yes. But I feel like we think it's way worse than it is because of the films. And I will go into whole monologues about so that. many feelings. Many, and there are points in the books feelings. where he's horrible, but there's also... A, the thing is, they cut out in the films, there are 100 points. He's by far... He's so much nicer than Harry and Hermione in so many points. Yeah, they give all his good points to Hermione. Hermione. All his good lines to Hermione. And in the first film, that's not really an issue. It doesn't happen too much, but oh my God, in later films. And we're going to do yeah. bonus episodes after every book. We will then get drunk and watch a film and Ooh, then... We? I told you this already. I don't listen. Great. She never listens <laughs> to me. She just talks about herself. I do. After we finish each book, we're going to then get drunk, watch the film Aww. and then do an episode, non-structured episode, just talking about the film. That sounds nice. Doesn't it? So Ron then goes into this monologue because Harry says something like, oh, you've got loads of brothers and Ron says, oh, I've got seven and I'm poor and they've all done amazing things. And basically what it does... It exposes every character flaw Ron has in this one monologue. And anyone says they don't understand Ron, they just need to go back and read yeah. this first monologue because all the issues he's still dealing with, even in book seven, that he then overcomes in an amazing way and he's been working through yeah. all the books, every issue is laid out for you in this I first know. monologue. And, and it's, it's just so, so good! Cute. I know! I know! Yeah. He just wants to live up to his brothers and... Bill's been a head yeah. boy and Charlie's head of the Quidditch team. But then the fact that he's so self-conscious about being poor and then this might be where my Harry is so pure note comes from actually because Harry then goes, oh, well, I've never had any money. I, I wrote that. Oh, my God. Oh. Harry telling Ron he has no money all his life is so pure. That's literally oh my, my note. So I, literally, I think that's where my note actually comes from because it's just the nicest. Yeah, and oh. you could say that in such the wrong way. You could say it in a way that was like, oh, well, I've had, never had any money either. But the way it's described is Harry's just going, well, yeah, I'm Harry Potter, but I was basically raised with no money and I've never had anything of my own and I have to wear my brother's old clothes, my cousin's old clothes. Yeah. And that just makes Ron feel better. I know. And he just knows how to make Ron feel better. And, and oh, and it's so good. And it's the kind of bonding that could only have happened on the train on their way to Hogwarts for the first time. At no other point would they have done that. But they're both in that vulnerable situation. And so then the trolley witch comes past. And again, Harry is so pure because he's like, I'll just buy everything and have a bit of everything with Ron. But is he pure or did he literally just buy the entire No, thing? that's so in the no, film. No one else. In the films, he said, we'll take the lot. In the books, he says, I'll have one of everything. But he clearly doesn't have one of everything because then they share stuff. Two of everything. He doesn't take everything. Yeah, he's basically, he's just bored. He's just, just like buying friends. I know, I know. I love it. You can buy friends. Um... He gets something called a pumpkin pasty. And this reminds me, so when I was a kid, I thought a pumpkin pasty was a cake because it's pumpkin. And I'm not sure I understood the word pasty. I now realise that it's Cornish pasty filled with pumpkin. Ew. Exactly. Did you ever realise this? No. It just becomes all bit of what a word. Well, it must or be. Is it? But I always pictured it like a pumpkin shaped like sweetie, like a Haribo. See, I always picture it as a cake. But, and then if I'm going to rectify it, I picture it as like a sweet Danish pastry, but with pumpkin on. But if you literally take it, literally a pumpkin pasty, it's a Cornish <sighs> pasty with pumpkin in, which is gross. 
I don't know why I saw it as a sweet. I think I would buy into it maybe as a Danish. I mean, the rest thing. of the trolley is sweets. Yeah. So I buy into a Danish. We will never know. We'll never know unless we meet J.K. Rowling. And our first question is, what the fuck is a pumpkin pasty? Mate? And she'll be like, well, actually, it was a woman all along, and it's just <laughs> under this curse. <laughs> For context to when this episode comes out, probably in a month's time, the final Fantastic Beast trailer has just come out. And Charlie has some feelings, and uh, we're not going to discuss them in this episode. <laughs> Chocolate frog cards! Yes! Do does Harry give his own? This is my note. Do, like, it's not even a question, because of course he does, but Harry will get his own chocolate frog card. Of course he does. Do you know what the best thing is? Ron does. But is that official? Harry, Ron, Hermione Aww. all got chocolate frog cards. Ron, who collected chocolate frog cards as a child, <laughs> has his own. What? Oh, is that possible? <gasps> Well, no, it was it was before Pottermore. It was one of the first things she announced afterwards. Oh, that's that's the only thing she's no, announced after I will accept. I tell you why. I tell you why it is. I think it's in the final chapter. She says something like, "He says something like, well, my proudest achievement is to be on a chocolate frog card.'" <gasps> it is. No, it is. And he oh. collected them his whole life, and of course, that's his proudest oh achievement. God. And but it, it's so cyclical, whatever it's cyclical. called. Cyclical. Yeah, like, oh, I just love it. This has just, just oh. turned into, basically, Ron has appeared and we're both like, oh my yeah. god, Ron. We're just, like, this is just literally no points to this. We're this just like, like, children are so pure. But yeah, Harry also makes it under chocolate frog card. And talking of chocolate frogs, Ron says he's looking for Agrippa and Potomy? Potomy? It's P-T. I don't know how to pronounce P-T-O-L-M-E-Y. Yeah. Potomy? Um, it's a great unanswered question of the books. Does he ever get those cards? Do we care? I do. I now care. I care so much. I want to tweet J.K. Rowling in a time so I can see she's online and ask her. Because it's that kind of question where she'd be like, haven't been asked that one before, I'll give that one a go. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like it might be one of those things, you know, like Pokemon cards where you stop giving a shit at a certain age. Yeah, so maybe he did get it before. Yeah, he stopped giving a shit. Yeah. Because they're a big deal in the first book, obviously, because they then hold a key to an entire plot point. Yeah. But they are But children. then they become less relevant. Until they themselves, Harry Ron Hermione, oh. get on the chocolate frog cards. Don't. Kiss me. It gives me shivers. Mm. Oh, so lovely. Hermione! Yay! She's here! Feminist hero. Here she is, our favourite. And, like, I just want to talk about her confidence in this chapter. Yeah. She just balls in. Sits mm -hmm. down and is like, show me that magic then. Yeah. Show me your dick, Ron. I mean, your wand. How much more vodka have you had than I've had wine? No, you know I would say that's over. You would. Um, because, yeah. like, do you remember your first day of secondary school or high school or whatever you called it? Yeah. Like, how terrified were you? Um, or were you like fake confidence, like it's gonna be good, it's gonna be fine? Um, I think I was just really convinced that I was gonna like reinvent myself. <laughs> um, and then I was the same horrible little shit that I always was. So that didn't happen. I, I just remember being so, so scared. And to get it back to Harry Potter, like I remember being like terrified, like shaking and really relying on the girl I was going into form with. And I knew someone. Hermione knows no one. Like she knows no one going into this. And that confidence to go in and sit down and I think her 
her overbossiness in this chapter comes from like on almost fake confidence mm. that she's putting on. But like, I can tell she's really nervous and she's like faking it, which yeah. is amazing that she can do at eleven. Like, uh, I, yeah, like I don't know, like I I really relate to Herm- Hermione because I'm that person. Like I am so incredibly shy, and whenever I say to people I'm shy, they're like, "What the fuck? You're like the loudest, mm. gobbiest, obnoxious person yeah. ever." And I'm like. No, but I'm not, like, internally I'm so shy, but when I'm in that situation, so, like, I, I don't remember exactly, but I know when I joined high school, I would have been really loud and obnoxious yeah. in everyone's faces, like Hermione. Like Hermione. Because I fake it until I make it, and I overcompensate. So, for me, that is so normal, because that's how I deal with feeling shy and out yeah. of place. And Hermione is so annoying in the first half of yeah. the book. And she is, like, rereading this, I was like, I'm going to love her from the beginning. No, I'm not. She's, I love her because I know who she is, and I yeah. love her because I can see myself in her yeah but she is annoying but i can see that as her overcompensating yeah because she doesn't have friends she's terrified and yeah. she's really trying to make an effort and that's the only way she knows yeah. how by showing off and yeah. doing all but this that's stuff. what i was like yeah. i was loud and i would show off and i would talk to strangers in a really show offy way like yeah. i totally would have barged into some like two boys to like compartment yeah. and like being really loud and gobby at them as a way of overcompensating. So I read this and I'm like, yeah, cool Hermione. I, yeah, I see why she does it. I wouldn't have been, I would have been like terrified in the corner. I would do it now, but I'd be, I'd be terrified in the mm. corner. But I like it, as I've got older, I've realized what her annoyingness is. And it yeah. is overcompensation. Oh yeah, it's really, it's really annoying. But I'm I like, I read her and I read her as annoying and that makes me realize how annoying I was. Yeah. But also okay. like, maybe I modeled that off Hermione. That's the thing. I read her from such a young age. I did model a lot of my behaviours off her yeah. because she was a real role model. And it's it's really interesting in my head when I try to separate, like, I just, like, sorry, my stomach just made notes. It's really interesting in my head when I try to separate who I am and who I modelled myself on in the Harry Potter books. Because they're very... Not crazy. just Harry Potter. So much a media for me. Yeah. My family was a huge pop culture family. We yeah. We really got into so much. So, like, my personality... You model yourself like, on. Yeah, like, I... Speak in pop culture references, <laughs> and I'm sure it's reflected in my personality. Probably, also. like you can't separate that kind of thing. And I remember the night before secondary school, as I still do to this day, because well, if I'm nervous, if I'm upset, I read Harry Potter the night before I go to secondary school, Me. and I think I read the chapter where he's on the Hogwarts Express because yeah. I was like, oh well, you know, this is what I'll be doing tomorrow, and oh, it's also cyclical. Okay, Malfoy arrives, and it's just an evil little shit straight away. What I found interesting interesting is in this scene, what he's trying to do is be Harry's friend. Yeah. He comes in because he wants to make friends with Harry, because he knows Harry is a name and he like wants to align himself with a powerful ally. So then I feel like one of the only reasons or one of the main reasons why he hates Harry in the beginning books mm. isn't because of some Harry's yeah. like a mud blood mud blood traitor kind of thing. It isn't because Harry is particularly different from Draco. It's just because Harry rejected him and he's a yeah. little bit butthurt about it. Yeah. And are you... Like, the thing is, obviously he goes around approaching the friendship completely wrong. Yes. Are you open to the interpretation that his parents asked him to befriend him? Oh, very interesting. Have you read that as well? Or is that something... No, I literally just saw that. Oh, no, I've read I'm it online before. I'm just that before. smart. Wow. <laughs> no, I've read it online before and I'm very much open to that interpretation. Yeah. Or not that they asked, but that they hinted it would be a good idea to because at this point they thought Voldemort wasn't coming back yeah and they really wanted to align themselves with we are good 
But what they would also do by making friends with Harry Potter, they would seem good from the outside, but they'd have the perfect in if Voldemort did come back. Yes, but can I suggest? Of course. So we kind of know, I think it's mentioned in the books at some time that actually a lot of people feared Harry. Yes! So, I know what you're about to say now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They feared Harry because they thought if he's defeated, like, the dark wizard, be the next he's going to be wizard. the next dark wizard, clearly. So, you know, they might have been like, Draco, getting good because that boy is evil. Yeah. Like, he's going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And I think the real hatred Draco has, and it's not just a hatred, it's a hatred obsession. We see this at the beginning of yeah, the second book where he's like, Harry Potter does this, Harry Potter does this, Harry Potter does this. And I think it's just like, Harry rejected him and he's really like, oh, well... No, yeah. we're going to talk about it and all like, the time. And he's like, yeah. obsessed slash And that's her. something you see in bullies. Like, yeah. normally, like, you know, most bullies, at some point, you've kind of, they think you've rejected their friendship yeah. or something like yeah. that. But also, like, this just really makes me laugh because, um, apologies, listeners, if you haven't seen a very Potter musical, but in a very Potter musical, we have the Draco character that has massive daddy issues and is obsessed with his dad and his father's approval and his dad just doesn't want to get it. So whenever I read the Harry Potter books now, I can never, there's certain scenes where I can't shake that. So I read this and I read this as like, so Lucius has told him to befriend him and then he's like, feels like he's let his dad down and now his dad's just going to go off like, dancing and ignoring Draco and this is such a tangent <laughs> I was I fun fact for listeners oh dear god this is I love showing this off I if, w- it, listeners if up until this point you thought I was the sad one in this friendship it's all about to be turned on its head yeah so I'm aware that so far like Hannah's come across as like the massive nerd so I flew I to Chicago for Leaky Con. And I was there when the recording of the third of Harry Potter musical was taken place. So I'm the nerd, actually. Ha! Plot twist in the fourth episode. <laughs> Don't Take know what that, and Night Shyamalan, or whatever he's called. <laughs> Don't even know who that is. Oh, this is when we need to get Neil in. Okay, sorry, listeners. Neil is Hannah's boyfriend, who is a lot more clued into like films and stuff yeah. than Hannah. Films um, and music and stuff. Yeah. Neil has entered the room. Neil is Facts with Neil. This is Hannah, be... Hannah's lover has joined us. <laughs> Good lord. Facts with Neil. Neil, who is... I don't even know how to say it. Uh, I don't know how to say it either, but I'm hoping you'll get what I mean. Mm. M. Night Shyamalan, however you M. say M. Night Shyamalan. Yes, Shyamalan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, do Facts with Neil. Yes. Um, M. Night Shyamalan is a film director famous for uh, films like The Sixth Sense, was one of his, and uh, his main thing is he always puts a ridiculous twist in... At the end of his films. So that's where the pop culture reference to massive twists come from. People mention... Yeah, M. people M. are like, oh, that's yes. such an M. Night Shyamalan Thank twist. you. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. That was Facts with Neil. Thank you very much for joining us, Neil. We'll see you again in a future episode. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be back in my cave if you... Yeah, need. off you go to your man cave. Goodbye. <laughs> he keeps me locked up. And then my last note is um, the dramatic entrance for the first years for no particular reason other than for the drama. So this is the point where all the other school get in carriages and they're like first years into this boat and you're going to go through some yeah. ivy and then you're going to come across a lake and you're going to round a corner and there's Hogwarts. It's like it's, weird hazing. Yeah, it is. It's just like, do you know how majestic this castle looks? Yeah. Do you want to make it look really but majestic? But it's, We're going to put you on a boat. It's nice. It's it so is. nice. It's so nice, but it's just so... 
I don't know. They just it's over dramatic. Like that dramatic. One hundred percent came from Dumbledore. Yeah. Like, he's just like extra. The Carter looks fun. great from this angle, and they're going to approach from boats. Yeah. And it's the fact they still do it in later books in torrential rain. They're like, still put them on the boats. They're fine. Yeah. And like one of the children falls in, in and, and nearly drowns, and has to be like pointed yeah. out by the giant. And squid. they're still like, no, yeah, this is fine. This Off is been. They yeah. proved it. It's a good system. Put them good on these system. boats. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any other notes on this chapter? Uh, yes. Yeah, so oh, I, good. So uh, I That's did. That's not sarcastic. I didn't mean it like oh, that. really like terrifying moment when reading this yeah um that i then looked up and like so obviously we kind of meet neville and his frog trevor and i just suddenly frog? had this toad trevor thank you and i had this terrifying moment where i was like how long does a toad live because at some point trevor stops being mentioned does he yes in the google books it, google it, no google I, it. no i did oh no because so, no, i was no, so no, worried no 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 i don't want to know i don't want to know because I was so worried because he just stops being mentioned after like two books. Well, I thought that was just the whimsy fade. No, he gets mentioned occasionally. In like the fifth book, they're going to poison the toad or maybe that's the third. It's fine. They live for like 10 to 12 years. Okay, okay. It's fine. But I did have this heart-stopping moment as I Googled and I was like, no, no, no. If it says like three years, I'm going to cry. But no, it's fine. Okay. So I think it's safe to assume that Trevor lived through the Battle of Hogwarts. Oh God. And Thank Harry God. being Harry, as we know, and as we will mention continuously throughout this podcast as later books come, Harry is about as an observant as your average yes. chair. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got to the point where he's like, oh, Voldemort's such an issue, I don't even notice a toad anymore. Like, no. Who cares about the toad? Yeah. But thank God Trevor is still alive. Yep. Thank we, and we, the, the, the institute that is Trevor and Neville. Yes. We did not get Hedwig, but we did get Trevor. Oh, Hedwig. Heartbreaking. Okay, chapter, On to chapter seven. seven. The Sorting Hats. Where we shall reveal our own houses after the millions of people have been guessing on Twitter. <laughs> At this point, we haven't uploaded a single episode anywhere. We have no idea if anyone's guessed on no Twitter. One, no, no one. And my guess is no one has. So, McGonagall explains that the kids are going to be sorted into houses. Um, and even Ron doesn't know what's happening, what the sorting is, how I this really works. I love that, because his parents yeah. have purposely kept, kept it, it from him. And even the older kids. So it must be something that magical families pass down. They're like, don't tell the younger children, don't yeah. tell the younger children. And there's no reason not to tell them, apart from the fact it just like keeps it in suspense and it's kind of cute. Yeah. It's and it, it is like hazing as well. Everyone has is. to go through that. Holy oh my God, what am I going to have to do? And what I like is it puts them in the same boat as the Muggleborns. It doesn't give mm. them this higher status going in. They're all in this same boat, which yeah. is lovely. Yeah. The only thing is I, I can't believe Draco didn't know. Because Draco always has the thing. He knows the things he's not supposed to. He knows about the Triwizard. Yeah. Maybe he did. Maybe they just didn't write that bit. But Maybe. yeah. 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 So then we get the... I'll cut the... Uh, then we get the Sorting Hat song. Yeah. Which is just... Never mentioned again. No, that's the school song that's never mentioned again. The Sorting Hat song where it explains the qualities of each house and it's kind of weird. So Slytherins are evil. There was a great tweet about this. You might have seen me retweet it. Hang on, I'm going to find the tweet. See, I always think in this book, Slytherins seem less e evil than how they're described by the Sorting Hat in some of the later books. Yeah, definitely. Mm. But, um, okay. This book they're just described as cunning, which yeah. is, you know, a Slytherin. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a tweet that I saw the other day. It was, founder of Hogwarts, 
Okay, so we all know there's four types of kid. Brave, smart, evil, and miscellaneous. School board. Yes, continue. <laughs> oh, it is just so... Like, she's... It's... As the book got more complicated, it's tried to be retconned, and it's... I do see the more complexities of the other houses, but there's no denying in this first book it's very black and white. Yeah. It's like, nice kids, clever kids, brave kids, evil kids, done. Yeah. Yeah. There was a debate at the LeakyCon I went to that was like defending Slytherin. Like an actual debate that they set up. And they should be defended. And yes! Like, that's a great thing. But there's no denying that, you know, just like, readers of the early books, it is set up as, well, this is a house full of evil people. Yeah. This is where the complete shitheads go. <laughs> it is. It is. And like, she's definitely, you know, and she didn't even set up, she set up Hufflepuffs to be the butt of all jokes. And Hufflepuffs mm -hmm. had a complete kind of like, 360 in the last few years and become really cool to be a Hufflepuff, which it should be because it's an amazing qualities in a house. Yeah. But there's still no denying in these first few books it's the butt of all jokes. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's to do with the simplicity of the entire book. You know, we've been saying throughout every episode that these books are really whimsical and and quite simplistic. They're much more childlike than we remembered and maybe that is reflected in how the houses are described in this early book. Yeah, because... Problem with it is, is that all the characteristics, none of them are like um, contradicting. So you could be yeah. all of them, like the main characteristics. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like brave, loyal, cunning, and smart. Yeah, you could be all, all of, of those them. things. Yeah, like one hundred percent. And I won't reveal now, but like, there's two of them that like are incredibly, incredibly me. Mm. And like, I, you know, I do have my opinion on what house I would clearly be. But like, honestly, I'm so much them because they're both characteristics is very easy to be both of them. Yeah, it so is. So it's, it's complete nonsense. It is slightly nonsense. So the hat allows Harry his own opinion. The hat yeah. believes Harry should be a Slytherin, which we learn later is because of the bit of Voldemort's soul residing mm -hmm. within Harry. But Harry asked to be in Gryffindor. Uh, my question was, does he allow, does the hat, does it allow everyone opinion? Because... Apparently, Neville asked to be in Hufflepuff, but the hat didn't let him. So why did he allow Harry the choice? Is it because he but, was split between two choices and in Neville he only saw Gryffindor? Or But did Neville ask or he, did he just think, oh no, I should be in Hufflepuff? Because I don't know. I mean. It just says in another book, because he mentioned inside his own head that he yeah. wants to be in Hufflepuff, but the hat insisted I he should be Gryffindor. I always got the vibe that it was more like, oh no, like my... You know, Grandma says the Hufflepuff is the loser house, so I should be that. And at that point, he was putting himself it. down. He was like, "Oh well, yeah. I, um, I'm not brave enough, so I should be in Hufflepuff." And the hat was like, yeah. "No, it is inside of you." Yeah, but like my question is, like, can the hat see what's inside, or can it see the future? Because I don't know. Is I it think not the same thing. I don't think so because I genuinely I think that the person that I was when I was eleven reflects in no way who I am now. I am so different and I don't think it's stuff that's within you I think it's the experiences that you have later on things that happen throughout puberty it's a bit of like nature versus nurture, nurture yeah um but I still think those like building some of those building blocks are still within you I find nature nurture very interesting and again like I say this with so many points but we'll get to this with Voldemort yes I believe it can see the future but however much you are influenced by stuff that happens around you you accept what's around you based on what's already inside of you. So Draco Malfoy, for instance, could be exposed to the same things you've been exposed to throughout your life, but he'll see them through a different lens you would because of what's already inside of him. 
And that's what the hat sees, I believe. Yeah, I see that, but I'm just like, from personal, ex personal experience, like even in the past few years, yeah. like, I'm talking like two or three years, I have changed so much that now like, the things that I consider important to me and like important characteristic traits are like really incredibly different. Yeah. To the point like, you know when you take personality tests? Yeah, yeah. And like my, you know, test results will come out different. Um, because the, like the things that I've experienced since and that growing old, like my priorities and life change. Yeah. Maybe that's why the housing system in itself is irrelevant because as we go through the books, we learn that the housing system is in Hogwarts is absolute bullshit and is creating tensions. And we know it's wrong. We know it is at some points because look at Peter Pettigrew. Like, yes, you can look at some characters and know that they could be in two houses and that maybe the hat saw things that weren't mm -hmm. there. But Peter Pettigrew, it was just wrong. It just was. And to be honest, like, yeah, because at the end of the day, this is nothing based in any kind of science or logical fact. This was four people that founded the houses saying what's important to them. Yeah. And obviously there's going to be overlap and people will change. It's yeah. nothing scientific. It's much like how all of the, in America, what's it called? The um, amendments. Oh, uh, okay. The, you know, don't take away my guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were written in an entirely different, different time period. Time where it was relevant to what was going on now. No then. longer remotely relevant. <laughs> and yet people still stick to them, yeah. even though they couldn't be less relevant. They stick to them like law. And it's the same with the Hogwarts houses. It is. They're no longer relevant or and, like, useful it's or appropriate. It's a dangerous way to split children, to split them by personality. And... So the way I see to fix it, because I don't want to get rid of Hogwarts houses because it's such an integral part of the story, but the way I see to fix it, and what I hope happened after the seventh book, after the war, is that the housing system was still in place and they were still sorting into houses, but classes were mixed, breakfast was mixed, you no longer had the house tables yeah. unless it was a special occasion. There were more spaces set up for communal gatherings rather yeah. than go to your common room. And it allowed interpersonal mingling and encouraged it. It was like, you can't sit at your house table at breakfast. You have to mingle, that yeah. kind of thing. And I hope that's what happened because I don't want the housing system to completely be demolished because there's an argument of demolishing history. And obviously it's fictional history, but talking in a wider context of history in general, like England and places like that, you, you can't bulldoze over what's historically there, but you have to improve it for the modern times. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and that's that's how I fix the housing system yeah. personally. Yeah, but like always my biggest issue, I don't have that many issues. I mean, I do. But like I don't know <laughs> most of the houses, but my pet peeve with the houses has always been Gryffindor because what the fuck is bravery? I know. What is it? And also like bravery in high school students is not tested it's tested in these books because they're like fictional books but like even if you were say in hogwarts 10 years before harry when is your bravery going to be tested yeah. and is bravery is it bravery or is it stupidity is it foolhardiness is, is, is it bravery of mind like hermione like being able to see past the all this crap to see the final point but is that intelligence or is that bravery or is it stupidity exactly is it foolhardiness yeah exactly so i it's just it bravery for me is more of an emotion yeah. than a personality trait. And I think it's indefinable. And moving on from that, are we gonna go into our houses? Charlie. Yes. What is your Hogwarts house? So, if by any chance we do have readers by now, I can't put into They're words- not reading this, it's a listener. Not listeners. <laughs> uh, I can't put into words how much joy it would give me if you pause this right now and go and find us on Twitter um, and let us know. And tweet what. us right this second. Send right it to now. our Twitter. Right Please. now. Please. 
I'm pretty sure no one will listen to this, but, but one please, Charlie, if you one do, Hannah, please guess our houses because I just really want to know how we're perceived. I I would love to. Know. But no, I we need to. I mean, you remember my house, don't you? Of course I do. Yeah. I think I remember yours, but I'm not sure. Okay, you go. Are you Gryffindor? Yes, I am I Gryffindor. So. Um, in case our voices get confused because we do sound quite similar, this is Hannah speaking. <laughs> I'm Gryffindor, which I honestly have a slight hatred of myself for being, because the reason why I hate it isn't because of the whole, what we talked about earlier, bravery, foolhardiness kind of thing, it's because when I was a kid, obviously everyone wanted to be Gryffindor, yeah. and Gryffindor was like, the house. Now, fans, like, fan, people who are still fans of Harry Potter are pretty much split evenly across the houses, and I feel like Gryffindor is still the house of like, oh, basic bitch Harry Potter. Yeah! Like, that's why I hate it, because, like, the amount of conversations I have with someone where it's like, oh, yeah, I really love Harry Potter, and I'm like, oh, no way, you love Harry Potter, awesome. What house are you? What house are you? And then they're like, Gryffindor, and I'm like, cool. You don't love it, Can I you? just check, have you, have you read the book? Yeah, I know. Like, any other house that they say, I'm like, oh, cool, fine. If someone says Gryffindor, I'm like, have you read the books? Or I do know. you just mean you like, you like the films? I know, I know. But... I genuinely do relate to Gryffindor a lot. I relate to, the thing is, as I've got older, I relate to all the houses and I relate to a lot of the characters. But I do have a lot of the traits of Gryffindor. I am, um, I don't know if I'm brave, I haven't been tested enough, but yeah. I, I have a kind of boldness, I want to yeah. say, and sometimes a fake confidence. I can be reckless, um, but I'm also, I think Gryffindors are quite open and quite yeah. like, that kind of thing, and it, it suits me quite well. I can never explain fully why it suits me quite well, but it is the house I've always felt affiliated towards. Uh, yeah, I, I can vouch for you on this, because, so I remember having a conversation where you said you were Gryffindor. Yeah. The thing is, I couldn't remember if it was you. I now know it's you because you said you were Gryffindor. <laughs> I can remember if it was you or if I was maybe transferring the memory, but yeah, so I remember, and I remember you saying you were Gryffindor, and I was like, yeah, but like, oh, you know. But like, that was when we didn't, Know hugely each other, like, know that each other well. that yeah, yeah. well. Now that I know you, I'm like, oh yeah, Hannah's Gryffindor. Hannah's Gryffindor. Like, Hannah is Gryffindor. Just like, I can't even define why you just are. Like, you just seem like I Harry know. and Ron. I, I can't define it. Uh, see, You're... I used to think I was very Hermione. The older I've got, the more I've realised I'm Ron. I'm so wrong. You you were so wrong. It's ridiculous how wrong I am. So wrong, and you're like, this is gonna sound really bad, and I don't mean no, it in no, a bad no, way. Go, you're go, very go. like bold, and you're very like pig-headed, and I yeah, don't mean I that know. in a bad no, no, way. No, no, no. You know how like, much I love Ron, and even his bad qualities, I love because I see myself reflected yeah, in them. You were wrong. I know I am. Yeah. And I used to think I was Hermione, and I do see myself in some points of Hermione. Of course I do, but there's other points where I'm like. I'm Ron. <laughs> and the older I've got, the more Ron I am. <laughs> You're Ron. Um, like, and if I was to pick a second house, which I know annoys some people, but, you know, there are mixed qualities and stuff like that, definitely Hufflepuff. Yeah. So I've taken the Pottermore Sorting House sorting quiz four times, because obviously you take it multiple times as you get older. Obviously. I've got Gryffindor three times and Hufflepuff once. Yeah. So and I would be so proud and so happy to call myself yeah. a Hufflepuff. I would love it. But yeah. I am a proud Gryffindor. Charlie. So the first time that I took the Portimore quiz, yes. I got a hat stall. No! Uh, I barely have, I've never met anyone who got a hat stall. Yeah, so I got a hat stall, you're gonna really laugh at this, between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw. <laughs> you're not either of those houses. Were no. you taking the test wrong? Were you doing it wrong? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, dear readers, 
Dear listeners, uh, I am obviously Slytherin. Yes. Uh, do you, you agree? Like, genuinely, oh, I, w- I won't be offended if you say I'm never No, no, but I now use you along with um, somebody else I know who is a Slytherin. So when people, like, people I meet who are big book readers are like, oh, but Slytherins are evil. I use you and another person I know who is Slytherin to point out the perfect, amazing qualities of Slytherin. Thank you. Yeah, that's, I use you as but an like, example. I've, like, I've got a friend who's a Slytherin and she epitomises the perfect good Slytherin. Okay, thank you, because I don't know if I'm just like, oh, cocky, I'm a Slytherin, or like, if other no, people like, see me that way. Like, you're not necessarily a Slytherin as it's portrayed in the books, because you're one of oh, the most left-wing liberal people I've ever met, and unfortunately Slytherins are portrayed as Tories, Tories, old white men. But if you were to, t- if you were to boil down the actual qualities that are listed in the house song not including the racism undercut the racism if you're including the actual qualities that are listed in the house song and things like that you are a slytherin okay mixed but, like, with <laughs> yeah yes, yes very much mixed with like, i'm just like i'm curious because like to me i just have always known that i'm a slytherin and i'm just interested into how it's perceived by other people so why do you see me as a slytherin because Be- okay so you know what you want in life yeah and you are not afraid to say that you will not like hurt people to get there but if like you're not afraid to say that you will go to what it takes to get there because that's your end goal so Mm. like for example like in a working situation yeah you can have people that you like at work but you know if you wanted to make like something that's right for you in your career you wouldn't mind being like oh well I deserve that promotion or I'm going to go for that promotion above them because I know I deserve it. And you're not going to be like, oh, but I'm not sure I should go for it because this, that and the other and things like that. Like you're very career driven. I admire that so much, but like not in a mean way. Like it's just like you're so determined and you know what you want in life. And it doesn't, there's the cunning element, but it doesn't come across as cunning as if like you're undercutting people, but you've always got your mind open to, well, I could do this or I could do this and I've got these paths mm. open and I know how to go down each of those paths yeah. if I'm going to do it. And like, I see Slytherins as very loyal. I do. And you have a loyalty to you. Not like Hufflepuffs where you're loyal to everyone, but to people mm. who are good to you, yeah. you're very loyal to you. And yeah. that's how I see Slytherins. Hufflepuffs are like... I'm loyal and good to everyone and I will always give people the benefit of the doubt. You're like, you need to get to know me and open up to me, but then once that's happened, I'm extremely loyal to you and that's yeah. you. I fucking love that interpretation. Yay! Like, yeah, like the, the loyalty thing, because it is, because my second one is definitely Hufflepuff. Definitely. And yeah. like, I like that both our seconds are Hufflepuff. Yeah, it's and really like, nice. Yeah, and like the older I get, the more Hufflepuff I feel like I am so, but to be fair, I always have been, I'm so definitely loyal. Like, to my friends, um. like, I, like, will die for my friends. Yeah. I, I will, like, die on that hill, mm-hmm. like, defending my friends without a doubt. But, like, if you're some random person, I don't give a shit. You have to, like, pass a barrier with yeah. me. And once you That's pass that barrier, like, I will just, like, I, like, I will die for you. Like, I am that level of, like, intense possibly creepy loyalty <laughs> like i i just i am so loyal and like my friends and the people that are special to me mean everything yeah yeah and like well, that's why i was defending you today on email because i was like you will not come for hannah <laughs> you will not blame hannah but for I this feel like gryffindors are very loyal as well i feel like every class has this look apart from ravenclaw yeah I don't feel like ravenclaw, ravenclaw has that loyalty. <laughs> but like 
I feel like Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin all have this loyalty running through them. Yeah. And it's very difficult. It's interesting because I just, like, described your qualities and did Slytherin. But you, for me, couldn't describe certain qualities. You were just like, there's just something about you that yeah. is Gryffindor. But, but I feel like, like that is... intangible. Yeah, I feel like that is Gryffindor in yeah, general. Yeah, it's, it's an quite intangible, intangible quality. Yeah, but you, you are, like... I'm trying to... It doesn't matter. Like, I quite like the intangibleness of it because yeah. you're right. If you look at Harry and Hermione, they are extremely different personalities. And Neville. Yeah. They're, they're, they're wildly different personalities and they're all Gryffindor because of some intangible reason that links them together and that's Gryffindor. Yeah. So now, listeners, pause the podcast again and let us know whether you were correct. We really want to know if what you tweeted was right, why you thought you tweeted and what you think of us now. I feel like I sound like a really horrible person. I feel like I sound like a really horrible person. Moving on. <laughs> Dumbledore is a speech that consists of the words nitwit, blubber, ointment, and tweak. And this uh... is the peak of J.K. Rowling throwing random shit into this book to go, magic, isn't it whimsical? <gasps> Fucking magic everywhere. Magic. Uh, fuck you, Dumbledore. Like... I understand Dumbledore was meant to be weird and whimsical and things like that, but this is too far. Too far. They're not words. I thought I would understand them as an older reader, but no, they're just not words. No, it's just complete fucking nonsense. Babble. It's like, I don't know, like, I feel like Dumbledore was like the quirky scene kid girl. You can also imagine him going XD after that. XD. XD, lol. So random. Lol, so random. Next bit I have written down is, are you ready for this? Yeah. I'm half and half. We got some fun. We got a bit of a shock for him when he found out. <laughs> there are parts of Harry Potter that have been bulldozed over by the worst acting in the film ever, and this is one of them. And yeah. I don't care if it's on the worst acted lines ever, it's cemented in my memory as one of the best bits of my childhood. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, James Finnegan is just one of my all-time favourite characters. What I realised in the book is, that's not the line. No. He says I'm half and half. Half and half. I'm half and half. Half and half. Half and half, which is now being offensive, and then says something, an old alternative that's slightly different, but all I could read in that line is yeah. the actor going, I'm half and half. My dad's a muggle. Oh, God. I'm kind of straying into Liverpudlian rather than Irish, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just need to say that line to you. I'm really glad that you did. Yeah. Thank you for that blessing. <laughs> so, um, then Harry spots Quirrell and Snape talking, and Harry asks who the teacher is. Harry asks Percy who the teacher is talking to Professor Quirrell. Mm. And Percy says Snape. And then Harry gets a shooting pain through his scarf. And the line says, this happens at the same time that Snake looks past Quirrell's turban. It's just such good misdirection from J.K. Rowling. This yeah. is the first instance, and she does this throughout all seven books, of her writing exactly what's happening and putting some misdirection in there to make you think it's something else. And it, oh, yeah. when, and it makes the second read fascinating. It makes the second read, like, incredible. Mm -hmm. Because you're just like, oh, of course. Yeah. Now that makes sense. I was like, well... It's not Snape, it's because Harry is looking at the turban of Quirrell. Yes. It's just and simple misdirection that works is... so effectively. Um, so then we get the bit you mentioned earlier, the school song. It's just never mentioned again. No. I honestly... J.K. Rowling wrote that one, they were like, nope, no, 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 made a mistake there, cut that out, cut yeah. it out now. That, or Dumbledore was just trolling. He was like, okay, this is the year Harry joins, let's be extra eccentric. <laughs> and all the kids are like... 
What school song? We've never done, we don't have a school song. And they're all just playing along like, oh, people are all saying things. What I love, one of my favourite things about this whole thing is the fact that the school song was cut out after the first book, but the fourth film films a yeah. scene of them singing it. It didn't make the final cut of the film, but it exists. Uh, and that's just I have fun. not seen that. <gasps> but was that not when they had the weird giant frogs? No, that's the third film. So the fourth I hate film. That bit. No, I know. The fourth film, it's after the bit that we hate most of all, where Bo Backles and Dumbstrong in it. Gender norms. Display some of the worst gender norms I've ever seen in my life. And then, so Hogwarts then do their welcoming bit, and they sing this song, and it cr- it makes me cry laugh every time. I can't believe you've never seen it. It's a deleted scene. We're watching scene. this after. Yeah, it's fantastic. And yeah, Joe just dropped this so quickly. So lastly, um,. The feast is over. They're walking up to Gryffindor Common Room. And what I realised at the old age of 23 and probably my 23rd, 43rd time of reading this, that the portrait hole is a hole. What did you think it was? A door, like it is in the films. I thought the portrait swung back and it was a small door. It's not. It's a small circular hole in the wall. I, it's not a door in the films, is it? Yeah, it is. The portrait swings back and it's like a small door and that's what I thought it was. I No, but I swear they always have to step because it's like a hole. No, they're stepping down. There's steps after it. Oh. But in the in the books, what I've realised it's described as is the portrait swings back and there's a circular yeah. hole and they have to hoist themselves through it because Neville literally needs a leg up. That's what made me realise it. I'm yeah. like, oh, it's a hole. Okay, that's really interesting to me because I thought all of my memory of how I pictured the books had been erased by the films. No. But that stayed with me because that's always how I Whereas had I had it, it erased. That's how big is the hole? I always pictured it like kind of like It's gotta be pretty big. Yeah, like from your hips to your head. At least. Yeah. You don't want to be like fattest or anything. Yeah. And but it's like, gotta be but like round. But how does Professor McGonagall get through it elegantly? Because she can't scramble, it's Professor McGonagall. Um, maybe she changes into a cat, jumps through and changes back. I would love that. Yeah. That'd be great. It's just like, I'm not doing this in front of the students, I'm going to transform into a cat. Have you seen the thing online where if you make a circle, a cat will sit in it and it will not move? Imagine if it's like that and she just gets stuck halfway through because it's a circle. Have you not seen that? No. Google it, cats in circles. Okay. So that is the end of chapters six and seven of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. This was a good one. They're like, it's the introduction to Hogwarts ones. I enjoyed yes. these ones. And the sorting hat, yeah. definitely. What I did realise was you've done the sort, you've done the train, you've done the sorting hat. You're ha- by page by page, you're halfway through the book at this point. Is that know, mad? It's mad. Like, it's such a short book. And by this point, you're halfway through. They yeah. cram, like, the first half is just like building the story. And the second half is where the mystery is crammed. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the mystery builds up later on. Yeah. Okay, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcasting app to listen to new episodes every fortnight. You can also follow us on Twitter at Goblet of Wine to read our terrible social commentary on life. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.